They are making it happen. And they are called pioneers. Welcome to this episode of Pioneers. Today, we have with us a very special guest in the form of Mr. Sabrinath Nair, who is the founder and CEO of Skillvery. Sabri is a computer scientist who has also had an experience in product development and marketing before starting Skillvery. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tashleesh. So I'll start uh, uh, with my first question. Was there a Eureka moment for you with VR? Um, or like when did you discover VR for the first time? I don't exactly remember because when I started working on Skillvery's work, that was in 2012. That time VR had just about come in. So I was aware of what was happening. I think I was very skeptical about uh, how successful VR might become because a lot of uh, prior initiatives in VR had sort of failed and not lived up to the hype. So right. I had used uh, 3D gaming methods, but I had used a 2D screen to mm-hmm. deliver whatever I had done. Some of my competitors, which were already existing then, had used VR in some more primitive form. Uh, mm-hmm. When I say primitive form, you know, I, I would think of uh, Oculus uh, release as as a as a landmark. Mm-hmm. You know, everything can be defined as pre-Oculus and post-Oculus. Uh, <laughs> most of my competitors had done something tech from the pre-Oculus era and tried and tested all of them. It was not impressive. So I had sort of stayed away from uh, explicitly using VR in my products till I think 2017. So the first uh, five years of my company's work, we had stayed away from VR, but used uh, 3D gaming. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, you know, there was an occasion where I tried out uh, Oculus in depth and mm-hmm. I was very impressed, you know, like it, it is not just about uh, the, the feeling of being immersed in a virtual world, but also about how natural the interaction had been through the mm-hmm. Oculus uh, touch controllers. So mm-hmm. that way, my um, Eureka moment will be sometime in 2017, where I uh, you know, spent okay. a lot of time on Oculus uh, with the touch. So I think there's the commercial version one had just been released. And then soon we had uh, imported one headset and you know, mm-hmm. started working on it. Uh, so, so before we dive deep into what Skillvery does, uh, I want you to share Skillvery stands for. Yeah, the, the name Skillvery can be read in two languages, two very ancient yeah. languages. One is Latin yeah. and the other is uh, Tamil. So in Latin, yeah. very stands for right. So uh, like when you say verify, you're checking whether yeah. something is right. So Skillvery yeah. stands for acquiring the right kind of skill. And okay. in Tamil, uh, very means an intense passion. So Skillvery is also about uh, intense passion to acquire new skills. Coincidentally, the the company was started around the time one, one Tamil movie song had become very viral uh, called Kolaveri. Yeah. Uh, so it's a it's a little bit of a spin off and spoof on that uh, song also. Mm, why this Kolaveri Kolaveri? Yeah. I remember that. So in fact. Uh, yeah. Or about us page back then used to say why the skill very <laughs> yes I have seen that in some of the presentations that you've given across 
I I saw that and I I could relate to that. <laughs> It's interesting to know that you were doing it on purpose, man. Right? So you said before 2017 you hadn't tried VR and skill variables not using VR in fact. So like tell us a bit about the India Innovation Challenge. Uh, what was the challenge at that time? What was your idea and what was your presentation at that point in time when you won it? yeah so this india innovation initiative i think it still runs uh, um back then it was jointly organized by the government of india department of science and technology and uh, cii confederation of indian industry so um they look at uh, how indian uh, entrepreneurs and technologists are coming out with some innovation it can be individuals or small groups of teams okay come out with some innovation and then how it is applied to the indian context so they have a regional level so i think they initially have an online application followed by a regional level exhibition followed by a national level exhibition so the national okay. level we had come third so okay. for that uh, we had showcased a prototype of our welding simulation back then so this was okay. using a, a like a like a very basic uh, real welding gun uh, which has been uh, connected with some sensors in that to measure the hand movement and then render a welding uh, effect on a 2d screen so it was a very primitive prototype but uh, clicked and uh, the jury felt uh, what we did was very good mm-hmm. and we won that prize subsequently we have uh, won a few more prizes one was with uh, national skill development corporation Uh, they had something yeah. called as a national innovation for skills yeah. challenge yeah. so in that uh, we are one of the winners okay. and 2017 the niti yeah. ayog had uh, organized an event called champions of change from where yeah. some 100 entrepreneurs from across india were called and then organized into five or six groups and these groups made a presentation to the prime minister and the senior minister so selected to be on the panel for education and skill development okay nice nice i have a ton of questions on that presentation you made to pm modi but we'll come to that uh yeah so i also found this out that the national skills training institute uh, based in bangalore says that skill very has the best in terms simulators for the welding simulator so this is pre 2017 or this is post 2017 this is post uh, okay so this uh, you, you had mentioned the book uh, yesterday and i started reading the book also on how okay. oculus was founded and yeah. uh, the founder of oculus also says the same thing that uh, because uh, a lot of uh, initiative had happened on vr before and none of them yeah. had really done well so there, there is yeah. a legacy of uh, you know, bad taste about vr in the society exactly. in the minds of consumers so yeah. that i think uh, is still there and when we made uh, the switch to uh, vr we made that switch much later than all the others had done so all the others uh, who had built simulators for welding or spray painting like us mm-hmm. they had all uh, used technologies which were uh, much more primitive so the visual effect was not uh, immersive because you know both eyes had the same display which meant yeah. that depth perception and also the technology and the and and the other factors like what computing device was powering the vr and all that 
was mm-hmm. also much more primitive and right one thing i have felt is that when typical western product is designed they take a lot of time to design and build it and then mm-hmm. they standardize it for a longer period of time so even when mm-hmm. uh, there are technological disruptions that happen uh, mm-hmm. because of the huge amount of time and money they would have invested in one technology they try and stick to that they don't replace and upgrade with uh, you know newer innovations that have come along whereas we in india i think we are far more open to changing and mm. that's not the same thing we did like we stayed away from vr for a long time but the moment mm. consumer level vr had gone to a certain stage we mm. were very quick to embrace it and then in a very short period of time we came out with a vr based model so this mm. uh, this expert in welding at the nsti bangalore facility had tried all the simulators in the world for welding therefore he had this uh, like a skeptical approach like would it really work because i have seen everything else built by the best people in the world but i have not found it very useful for training it is good for an exhibition where casually some you know jazz has to be shown but uh, none of that delivers on training front so that was the concern yeah. that he had Mm-hmm. so when he used it post our vr change and mm-hmm. uh, when he saw the way that we had applied vr so he was very impressed and then that's when he went on to uh, state that you know ours was the best that he had tried yeah. ever mm-hmm. i think vr the you know the one on one hand you have a lot of potential on the other hand you're playing with the human's basic senses of you know visual and hearing so it is yeah. it is very easy to screw up also like you know if you uh-huh. if you don't render the software properly you can yeah. make the user feel dizzy you can make the user throw up so mm-hmm. that, that un- unless you design it really well the the software am i correct uh, until and unless you design the ui very specifically or is the software and the ui different here no no both are same in the sense you know see what uh, normally you know to use a use an analogy uh, let's say you are moving your hand in front of you like you you are able yes. to see your hand yes so in real world you move your hand there is a signal that goes from your hand to your brain saying that your hand is moving and yes. there is a signal from your eye to your brain also confirming that at the same time in sync with whatever the eye is saying and whatever the brain is perceiving the hand to move mm-hmm. they, they are in sync they are happening simultaneously Uh, but in vr if you are not properly designing it what could happen is that your hand could move at one point of time the eye may see it maybe 500 milliseconds later and that will cause a lot of disconnect to the person in the vr so i was fortunate you know one uh, co-founder of uh, oculus uh, who is a professor mm-hmm. uh, stephen level he had visited iit madras and since okay. uh, incubated at iit madras i got to listen to one of his lectures okay. and in that he specifically says that if this delay between what you do and what you see is more mm-hmm. than 30 milliseconds then you have a problem subsequently it has kind of become a standard like a htc vive or an oculus rift will render about 90 frames every second which means that every frame gets about uh, 11 milliseconds or 12 milliseconds so everything has to happen within that time frame so if it exceeds mm-hmm. that time then you feel this uh, disconnect between what you see and what you do so, so can you like tell me or share 
some insights on the skill india initiative that the government has what is the government's target here and how important is it for a country like ours which has the second largest population in the world yeah um, so you know like you asked initially about that eureka moment for vr i mm-hmm. sort of had a eureka moment for uh, the skill development sector per se mm-hmm. so i this product is not um, entirely my idea it is more implementation is more from me the idea is from my co-founder and partner um actually i was working for him in another company that he had founded and then we have right. we had became friends and then um uh, 2009 or so he had casually mentioned about a new idea that he had and thoughts he had and then at in 2009 it didn't appeal to me much okay and but later on i started reading i mean i by, by chance came across articles on um uh, like the delhi metro was being constructed at that point of time and okay. the delhi t3 was also getting constructed renovated around that point of time mm-hmm. so there were reports on how the delhi metro tunnels had to be done by some spe- specialized uh, tunneling devices and mm-hmm. operators from peru on the other side of the globe had to mm-hmm. be flown in to operate these uh, right. tunneling machines and so that's on one side on the other side and um, i'm not i'm not sure if you recollect you know at that point of time every news coverage in india had been mostly about either delhi metro or the t3 uh, yes. airport terminal I, i recall a lot of being said about delhi metro the metro man and that story also a lot of coverage about t3 you know it was yeah. it was like the showcase that anyone who comes into india is given this experience uh-huh. of t3 and you know a lot of hype was being spoken about there but i also read that uh, the t3 airport was built with chinese labor so that okay. <laughs> that was you know like a eureka moment for me i was wondering in a in a country which is second largest population with also a huge employment problem and with having uh, like you know at that time the median age of the country was around 29 years we were one of the youngest okay. countries yeah. in the world so yeah. such a country why does it have to bring people from china to do something yeah. like that, you know and then i understood right. it is not merely about availability of people who are not employed but also about how well employable they are right and as a as a typical engineer we would hear about uh, it industry and other industries saying that only 25% of engineers are employable and all that but mm-hmm. we never bothered much about uh, things below engineering or, or things what we perceive as below engineering yeah. and uh, the situation is kind of worse there in a country which uh, has 130 crore population of which mm-hmm. uh, 70% are uh, youth and and then a huge population is unemployed as well as cannot be employed then that's a mm-hmm. that's a both that's both an opportunity as well as uh, a disaster in making if you don't handle it right right so nsdc was started with this ambitious target of training 50 crore people in mm-hmm. 8 to 10 years and very ambitious target and not much has been covered also okay but i think when we were growing up uh, we were told that india has a population problem mm-hmm. but around this time around 2010 2012 around that time it was no longer perceived as a population problem instead mm-hmm. it was perceived as a population opportunity right 
so this uh, this opportunity is actually like a window uh, you know if it uh, if you don't do things the right way in the next few years uh, we lose that opportunity so one is that um, actually the population growth is slowing down that struck me and then i started uh, reading up more and more on skill gap so i went back to my friend and founder of that company asked him what happened to his uh, okay. training simulation idea and then he said nothing much had happened because there was nobody to drive it okay. so so then i told him let me let me do this full time you know i'll i'll take this up i think it is important enough to be taken up full time so then i quit from his company and started another company with him which became skillvery um from day one i spent a lot of time at the shop floors of factories uh, observing mm-hmm. this skill labor skilling and all that uh, activities and then mm-hmm. uh, one of the main differences we took in approach you know it it came again like a moment of truth uh mm-hmm. we went to a lot of experts got a lot of gyan and uh, mm-hmm. a lot of people with a uh, lot of degrees and doctorates and specializations they listed out uh, hundreds of things and said unless all these are met uh, nothing will be useful and all that and it was getting overwhelming you know you cannot build straight away something that solves 100 problems then we started spending more time with the actual user group like the actual welders the actual painters Mm-hmm. they had a much smaller list you know they may not have any fancy degree but they were doing it for years together so when we took our prototypes to them they could uh, tell us what was useful what was not useful you know highly educated uh, expert so that approach uh, we took in the initial development of the product and then we let the end user co-develop it with us in in some way and later when it started solving problems at the shop shop floor the the experts also turned around and said yes uh, you know it is actually okay if you solve 70% of my problems than solving zero right and if you try and solve 100% you may not solve anything at all so it's been i guess uh, you started in 2012 2014 you won the challenge since then what has uh, a change like what are the products if you can talk about that skill very has today yeah so we uh, started with one type of weldings being simulated at that time it was not part of the syllabus interestingly but it was the fastest growing type of welding in the industry at that point of time uh, so we picked that and we did something for that and then that was modestly successful and then we started adding more and more things Okay. Uh, so i think by 2014 2015 the syllabus got upgraded after some 30 years mm-hmm. uh, and then the syllabus was quite aligned to whatever we had done the new syllabus so it was uh, it was a good call uh, to stick with what was getting more and more adoption in the industry than stick with the uh, archaic uh, syllabus okay. and uh, so every year we launched something or the other related to uh, welding and then at some point of time mm-hmm. uh, we raised external funding from dell foundation and ankur capital yeah. and then using that funding we uh, extended to the painting simulation world also so we started with uh, one type of painting simulation and then uh, in in about a year we had uh, three types of uh, painting being simulated mm-hmm. and painting simulator picked up much faster uh, because painting as a training trade was not taken much seriously in india it is very informal anyone who holds a brush in the hand and is willing to paint is considered a painter <laughs> but that was slowly changing i think we we got there at the right time because the paint companies were setting up training centers across the country so many of the new training centers were launched with our painting simulator from day one 
okay uh, so in welding it was not so like you know there were trading centers that were running for 40 or 50 years yeah. and uh, for them to change from something very hardware like to something very fragile or you know very high tech type yeah. is, is a bit of a change for them to digest whereas when we start something with one particular system it it becomes the de facto method uh, in welding i think we were world's number 4 or number 5 and india's number 1 painting we could in less than a year we could become world number 1 so then that's interesting and then we then merged both welding and painting into one single platform where you know this is post the vr change and okay. the vr systems we built in such a way that it, it can be independent of what we want to train or what we want to simulate so uh there is one common platform which takes care of things and then you can add modules for welding or modules for painting or modules for electrical or so uh, for for welding part uh, as hmm. you spoke there was there was a change in syllabus by these training centers you say uh and that is something that helped am i correct so there's a syllabus for the training centers in welding yeah so there are uh, so when i say uh, syllabus i was referring to the iti syllabus okay uh, so just you know in india we have a like if you look at the engineering trades there are there is a three tier system you have uh, the engineering at the top where you do design you have maximum knowledge but almost zero skills <laughs> then you have the polytechnics in between uh, the graduates from that become uh, the supervisors at shopclos the engineers become shopclos managers the polytechnic people become the supervisors and the right. idea people become the workers so we have in india okay. and mm-hmm. in india the exposure of an engineer to an actual work is very mm-hmm. less you know if if you have studied engineering you may have had in first year a few hours of uh, mechanical workshop exactly exactly uh, i remember i studied electronics and communication engineering but first year we had a common workshop where we did a bit of welding a bit of uh, other things yeah so that number of hours is very less i have met electronics engineers who have never held a soldering iron in their hands before <laughs> i uh, i can tell you that a lot of my friends would relate to that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that, that's a i think that's a serious problem in our system because if you look at these successful engineering countries like germany or japan or korea you go bottom up like you become equivalent to an iti guy first okay then you pick up more knowledge and more managerial skills and then become the polytechnic equivalent right. and then you acquire more knowledge and more managerial skills and then you become an engineer to become an engineer you need to have the practical skills only then you will know if you know something you design will actually work well or you know is a is a totally stupid thing hmm. <laughs> so that challenge is there hmm. so when i said syllabus i was referring to the iti syllabus i spoke to one of my friends uh, who is an artist and uh, hmm. regarding uh, the spray painting so one of the problems he told me uh, was the learning curve for spray painting it, it is uh, a bit high and a normal can of a spray paint costs about between 300 to 500 in india and for the first time when you start spray painting it's something like how far do you have to keep the spray and how yeah. close do you have to keep the spray how hard do you have to push uh, hmm. the nozzle so 
and an interesting fact that he told me that they use different sort of nozzles uh, there's there's a female nozzle and stuff like that so how have you boarded that in your product like because there's no one size of paint your your friend is absolutely right there are there is so much of variety uh, okay. now uh, this is where a simulator makes it easy for uh, someone who wants to learn spray painting to um understand a lot of stuff on the simulation before they go and uh, get their hands on the actual equipment so the mm-hmm. equipment some of them are a little you know some types of equipment not all spray but some types of spray equipment are kind of dangerous you can you know injure yourself if you don't uh, uh, properly um okay. it can be intimidating a lot of uh, these factors are there so this the role of the simulator here is not really to save on the paint cost or on the welding material cost okay. but to get the person to a certain level of confidence in how to move his hands like you okay. like you said how close or how far so he can mm-hmm. see the effect of uh, the right action wrong action everything simulated mm-hmm. and then he 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 gets that hand flow Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is quite similar to dancing or you know any any uh, mind any or coordinating activity some people have that flow some people don't have that flow some people can acquire that uh, flow by continuously practicing some mm-hmm. people can never get it like you know i i can never dance <laughs> <laughs> so again here also like your friend said there are so many varieties and yes. we start with the picking one set of some 10 subtypes doing mm-hmm. that well delivering that to customers then uh, you know fine tuning that then slowly extending it to less popular uh, types so there are different types of nozzles there are different types of paints and there is a relation also like you know not all paints can be painted with all the nozzles so if you oh, select yes. a particular type of paint then you can use only this three types of nozzles so all the combinations mm-hmm. are there so all of that has now been mapped into the simulation so in addition to getting the uh, like you know i said the visual ui feel of this uh, vr environment correct it is also mm-hmm. important to know the subject in depth so right. thanks to some young engineers uh, whom we had they they like picked up the topic in depth and then they could translate uh, their painting newly acquired painting knowledge domain knowledge into a software that functions well so in vr itself you know with uh, like you know for example a spray gun has two or three different knobs each knob has a function so with using your uh, oculus rift or htc vive you would turn the knobs and then have a change in effect you can right. in the virtual world turn the knobs and feel how it right. uh, changes the right. painting that you do Uh, i can understand that so so what sort of controllers do you have so you've built your own controllers because i understand htc vive and oculus they have a very specific type of controller and that is not something that is used for painting so till pre covid we were more heavily focused on htc vive the reason was that htc vive had something called as a tracker okay uh, the tracker is like a controller but without any of the buttons mm-hmm. which can be fixed on any real world subject okay so what we had done is we had taken real spray guns uh, spray painting guns and real welding guns mm-hmm. uh, did some additional sensors on that plus we fixed the hcc vive tracker on them okay 
so in real world you are holding a welding gun or a spray painting gun right but in the virtual world in exactly same spot uh-huh. you are holding uh, because the tracker tracks the position and orientation we were providing what was like an integrated hardware plus software so there is a computing backend there is the stc vive there are the actual welding guns and spray painting guns right we, we retrofit sensors on them we fix the stc vive tracker on them so for all customers we used to give it as a package right. everything that we customize and build and then ship mm-hmm. now covid changed a lot of things there because suddenly you could not ship anything uh-huh. and uh, especially anything that is custom made became even more difficult to do right secondly you could not share devices the demand came from customers as to how can we avoid sharing and how can we reduce the dependency on customized hardware right so then we ported the same software to work without our custom hardware and so now our software can run on any oculus or stc based device nice. so instead of holding a real gun you will hold a vive controller or a HT, uh, or an oculus, oculus or touch controller uh-huh. inside the immersive world you will see a welding gun or a painting gun okay but is that helpful in that sense because what i understand is earlier it was more uh, personalized to an extent like how how uh, the feel of the controller and the feel of the gun actually you uh, know even we had the same kind of doubts and this is something where you know early days of covid we changed the software tried it out and then from a feeling perspective the feedback was very good you know it was okay. rated at par with whatever was the completely customized hardware okay type of product uh-huh. that is one side of it the other side of it was i could recall some of the concepts that uh, were covered by uh, stephen level in that uh, talk that i attended oh. uh-huh. on how the human uh, sensory system works okay and this is another thing that i also connected with the book uh, that i started reading now okay. uh, on your reference so unless somebody tries it they can't know it exactly so uh, the most commonly you know let me take a tangent and then come back to this okay. so the most commonly done in anyone who tries vr for the first time they are encouraged to do the roller coaster ride like you know that that's a very common right sort of a uh, vr video it can yes, even yes, run yes. on a google cardboard kind of uh, yes. setup yes so they, they have a stereo video of uh, you taking a roller coaster so it will right. go up go down turn left right, right all right. that so if you try just standing and uh, wearing a google uh, cardboard kind of a device yeah loaded on your mobile phone and and uh-huh. play this uh, vr enabled video uh-huh. you would get uh, a certain feel of a roller coaster ride and then in one of the shopping malls i had been to they were uh, charging uh, i think 150 rupees for a 3 minute or a 5 minute uh, experience a ride as they called it okay so this they had a chair onto which you sit right and you wear this headset and then the same roller coaster ride is played this chair is not an ordinary chair there are yeah. some sensors which will tilt your chair okay yeah it's sort of a 7d experience jo 7d theater yeah, yeah. They, they have all these fancy terms you know yes. like yes. 3d 4d 5d 6d yes. 7d yes. all that they uh, understood uh, finally after taking away all the perception factor from it and then analyzing Mm-hmm. how the human sense organs respond to it mm-hmm. 
all these additional Ds you get are not really worth the money you are paying for. This I could verify with the developers of that particular chair and that you know I checked out uh, in detail with the team that built that particular hardware which will tilt the chair. Mm-hmm. The chair tilting is only a nudge from the chair. Like you know, it'll it'll give a five percent kind of a nudge for you in one direction. Mm-hmm. You actually turning is a is a sensory reaction mm-hmm. to your eyes telling you that hey, you are yeah. going to fall off in this direction. Right. So it's a reflex action mm-hmm. in response to a stimulus by the eye. Your body tilting is very little from the actual chair being tilted. You would still get about ninety percent of the feel. Okay. Without uh, the chair tilting you. Huh. Exactly. So that that aspect, you know, this is something that uh, uh, Professor Stephen Level also had uh, covered in his talk, and then uh, I had also sort of verified uh, this. I think I had done in twenty seventeen itself. Uh-huh. This shopping mall wala experience, okay. 60, 70, whatever they call it. Uh-huh. So that gave us confidence. Plus, uh, when we also tried it out, the person who is inside the immersive world has no complaints, absolutely. But the person who is standing by the side uh-huh. will feel, hey, uh, this guy is not holding a gun. Whereas, you know, in my real shop floor, I'll be holding a gun, uh-huh. holding a welding gun or a spray painting gun. The weight of the Welding gun or painting gun actually has uh, not much to do. It is just like, you know, when you get a driving license to right. ride a bike. Right. It doesn't really say that, you know, to whether you ride a CD100SS or whether you ride a Harley Davidson. Yeah. The license is same. You would, in a few seconds, you would adapt to the changing weight of the vehicle. Right, right, right. right. That's a very good analogy you're giving me here. So the, the same factor applies, you know, like... Uh, whether you hold a heavy welding gun or a relatively lighter uh, vibe controller or a, or an Oculus touch controller, it doesn't so much matter. Okay. In one con- to contrast, you would have never known something like this had COVID not happened. And you would have still built maybe more uh, personalized controllers maybe that way. Very true. Like, you know, like I was, I was also skeptical of trying this out. Huh. I think in, in one way, the method of you know not sharing the headset hmm. is actually driving the, the training mechanisms more towards the right way. Like, right. I think sharing one device for 10 students in a day does not teach them sufficiently. Yeah. Whereas in, in the current context, you will have one device per, per person. Right. So to get, uh, like costing wise for them to be kind of similar we take away all the customized hardware so that uh, okay so that somehow the it, it does not become too costly to have yeah, multiple yeah. In place and uh, hmm. one success factor here is that you know this for us is coming more from the north american market where they are willing to also pay for both hardware and software right so uh, these ITIs in uh, North America, they are actually sending out the virtual reality devices and laptops to the students' homes. Oh. They will use it for that particular period. And as soon as that term is over, hmm. the devices get returned. Okay. Where it sits in idle state for a few days before it is given to the next uh, batch of students. Okay, right. So it, it is very different from sharing the same day, like, you know, the, the risk of infection. It reduces. Is- yeah. So uh, I 
checked out some of the product demonstration videos you have on YouTube. And in one of the videos, there was a woman demonstrating the product. Uh, I wonder what was the idea behind something like this. Has been one of the unintended uh, impact of uh, the work that we do. So two instances actually. So one is. Um, uh, this is 2014, much before we switched to full immersive VR. Mm-hmm. So we have the simulator uh, running at a training center in Pune. Mm-hmm. And uh, one large MNC had set up shop in Pune with uh, a lot of welding to being uh, being done. Right. And they had this uh, HR policy that uh, one third of their workforce minimum will be women. And they had implemented this for welding also. Huh. And... Uh, so the the training batch that came in had uh, one third being women, hmm. and, uh, because this is the first course that was run in a simulator integrated way, and I think the top ten had some six or seven women, and that was actually a cultural shock for uh, even the training institute because they had not seen women do this uh, uh, this kind of an activity before. Right. So the simulator has no biases. This workshop system right. sort of favors men right. in, in an unfair way. Right. So that may have prevented them from coming up. The other incident was in Kerala where uh, one of the paint companies had uh, running this uh, painting training course. And uh, they had in the past uh, trained some women self-help groups Mm-hmm. Uh, to do a painting of houses. So that was done using brushes and rollers. One lady from this, uh, who had been previously trained in brush and roller painting, had walked into the center for something and then she saw the simulator training happening. Mm-hmm. So she was curious and asked uh, what it is about. And we said, this is about spray painting training. And then she got very afraid and she was like, you know, spray painting is not something I can do. So then we persuaded her to just come and try. Right. So she tried. And then the simulator gives a score at the end of every attempt. Mm-hmm. So it, it gave her 67 marks out of 100. Okay. She was furious. The next half an hour, one hour, she kept trying. Then she got like 98 or something. Oh. Then she asked, is there higher difficulty level? So my, oh. my engineer also happened to be there because we were also tuning the software. Right. So he put everything, like whatever he could configure, he configured to very high difficulty. Like, you know, to yeah. give an example... Uh, the angle in which your your hand varies, you should right. actually maintain one same angle. So she then got 98% uh-huh. with the tolerance being 2 degrees. Like, you know, if you have to keep at 98 degrees, you can go to 88 or you can go to 92. So her hand became so steady <laughs> because she got offended by that 67. She had uh-huh. never got 67 uh-huh. before. Uh-huh. Uh, and then next day, she tried her hand at... Uh, the most dangerous type of uh, spray painting mm. and it and she did really well so if not for the simulator then she may have never yeah. you know, yeah. attempted yeah so there are these uh, occasional uh, you know moments where uh, these things uh, make you feel good yeah, i have a smile on my face <laughs> just, <laughs> just because of the anecdote if you talk a bit on the ecosystem here in india for immersive tech uh, and I, as you also mentioned, and I also know you are also present in Germany, Austria, Austria, some Scandinavian countries in the UK, Singapore, Africa, you, you at many places. So culturally, there are a lot of differences. I think uh, the, the American continent is far more uh, open to adopting newer things. Okay. 
compared to india mm-hmm. but the indian youngsters are a different uh, level you know in the sense they are willing to do a lot of things that their parents generation would not have done hmm. so india actually i think has a lot of potential it is still untapped in the sense as a culture uh, we try and try and be safe you know i'll and through what i mean so if you look at indian it sector also it has been more of a services sector than a product sector so why services because mostly you know not mostly but some of the cases the services will be actually for a product company based in north america which takes all the product and market risk associated with it the indian company takes payment for that one time effort of what is being done thinking and logic and quality of uh, software may may not be bad the mindset to take take a risk and see let me do it as a product and then i'll take the risk of the product succeeding or not succeeding mm. so that's not there you know we we try and play it safe uh, as a culture mm. uh, so this, this is very deep and one is the second is that uh, there's a fear of hardware like i think indians do very good software but uh, very few companies integrate anything with hardware right and of that very few companies do it really well right. um, and even we find it difficult to do hardware with the same level of quality that we do with software so mm-hmm. when we compete with foreign markets mm-hmm. in terms of uh, hardware finish and uh, packaging mm-hmm. how it appeals aesthetically the mm-hmm. foreign products Uh, are way ahead of us mm. on the other hand if we get them to try the quality of our software is so far ahead of theirs mm-hmm. so if that initial impression we are able to overcome and get them to try our product then we are able to succeed mm. that you know we uh, as a culture i think we have paid more attention to something that works than for something that uh, not only works but also looks good right would an apple have uh, come, come from, from india, india. i doubt <laughs> I, I asked that question so many times to myself and so in terms of the market evolvement then uh, it's safe to say that north american market has evolved much much faster you feel that india can take over uh, if the youth adopts it at a faster pace yeah you know if if we stop uh, imitation and then try and look at original things so then we mm-hmm. have a lot of potential um i'll tell you with some more example you know when we yeah. uh, we for the for both the immersive vr as well as for general simulation uh, a lot of things is in common with uh, game development hmm. now if you try and hire game developers in india the challenge is that you have lots and lots of people who may have tried <clears throat> building with building a game which is a rip off of candy crush or <laughs> Uh, building a game which is a rip off of uh, temple run right uh, or angry birds um of i think there are some 100 odd game studios in the country there are only one or two who have come out with very original game ideas right so that has to change and and in the way we are taught in school i think indian school system is much better than the foreign school systems we start faltering only at the college level where we still continue to make people conform to what is in the syllabus and you not know, not question things hmm. in, in school i think we do quite okay so the concepts and basics are done much better hmm. uh, so one challenge i find when i look for game developers is that there are very few who can 
do any kind of maths or physics or problem solving kind of things into built into the game mm. uh, many of them are able to read swipes on the touch screen and then show some animation but mm-hmm. how to yeah. how to make it for something which which needs to have some more calculations right. in the back end right so that, that becomes a bit of a problem and that is a bit of a problem because many of the companies are not wanting to build something of their own rather they will look at okay which which genre of games are uh, doing well in the app store uh, let us pick the top uh, hmm. two genres and let us pick the top uh, three games from each of these genres let us make six games exactly hmm. like what's there in the app store already hmm. so then the more you take that approach the less you face an original problem and more you're likely to merely go to stack overflow or one of those uh, hmm. uh, websites and then copy paste if you could tell us a bit more on the csr initiative you have give us some examples of the companies you have worked with under that i think this came out in the manufacturing policy of 2014 hmm. where they said that uh, if uh, a manufacturing entity wants to set up a training center in their field of expertise mm-hmm. as long as they take uh, students from outside also not merely for their own internal needs like it, it's not an internal training center only open to their employees uh, but also open to the public where they can come and learn similar things then that investment into into skill development is Mind. given some incentive also treated as csr i think that's been a good move um, you know th- though a lot of these things take a long time for things to show an impact in india huh. but it, i think these are moving in the right direction huh. so one is that for those uh, companies who wanted to do more meaningful csr even if it doesn't really hmm. benefit them directly hmm. they have been able to work with us and then use the simulations uh, to change uh, the way uh, skills are being taught in itis mm-hmm. so in, in terms of like for example uh, cognizant cognizant has a cognizant foundation a csr arm right which has its own set of you know it's a different entity which gets the money from cognizant the the software company right right so cognizant foundation had been a client for us and then they uh, they have uh, used their csr funds to upgrade the facilities at uh, government its Okay. in trades like welding which you know earlier they were doing for computer labs and such things but you know they they took a deviation and they started doing things for welding and other other things which were not related to cognizant in in any way okay and, and they got good results and uh, because these simulations are all finally digital tools a lot of uh, data can be tracked if a donor wants to track it hmm. is it being used well is it being applied properly all that so it was also easy for them to monitor how well the uh, donation has been put to use i have this section called the feynman technique so it's uh, after richard feynman uh, the physicist hmm. and yeah. he, he tells that uh, if you understand a topic really well you should be able to explain it to a relative 10 year old person and i i found this thing uh, on your website psychophysics yeah would you like to take a jab at it like trying to explain it to a 10 year old most of us don't understand it <laughs> yeah so psychophysics is nothing but how does your body or mind reaction to stimulus you get from any of your sense organs 
Okay. Like you have the visual from the eye, you have the audio from the ear, hmm. you have the sense of touch, you have uh, smell, and you have it. taste. Right. So any skill you take, there is a combination of all of these in some ratio. Right. So in, with psychophysics, we just try and find out what is that ratio, and therefore which two or three senses do I pick okay. to simulate a particular training. So for example. in welding you visually judge the distance you visually look at the the way the spark or the light is shown to you right right from that you control your hand exactly and to some extent you listen to the sound of welding and with that also you can control your hand you may not smell a weld you may not taste a weld you may not touch and see the temperature uh, but only two senses you use right. of which right. the visual dominates With about eighty percent, and uh, maybe another eighteen percent is uh, audio, mm-hmm. and uh, the the temperature or the smell and other things will be two percent, which uh, to simulate will be very costly, and it doesn't give you that kind of benefit. Mm-hmm. Cost benefit ratio should not be high. Mm-hmm. So that's all, you know. Like there are a lot of things we do subconsciously, and uh, in in psychophysics, we just try and understand how does it really happen. You know, when you when you drive a car, mm-hmm. you are and if you are particularly if you are driving a new car you know mostly the new car will have a table pasted on the top right corner of the windshield just above hmm. the driver seat hmm. saying that these are the speeds at which you should change the gears okay or these are the rpms at which you should change the gears we actually follow that hmm. it it just comes from a feel right you know it comes from a certain feel of uh, how does it accelerate or hmm. certain hmm. sound of the engine Hmm. that is what you actually used to decide to change a gear if you don't really look at the tachometer or the speedometer and then decide to mm-hmm. uh, shift the gear so, so that, that that is what i mean so we come to the final section where i ask some impromptu questions on your experiences in vr okay uh, so this question is like uh, what's one hobby of yours that you hope you can enjoy in a vr setting Okay, like you know, possibly this travel. Uh, I tried this Google Earth in VR, and tried the Street View. I think I like that really well. Just that I I hope the internet connection speeds are a bit faster than what they are right now. So uh, the next question. Uh, so what what has been the most impressive VR or AR experience you have had so far? I'm not majorly into gaming, though I use a lot of gaming. Mm-hmm. and i uh, recently tried a tt game on oculus quest mm-hmm. and i liked it really well because long back i had tried a tt game on the microsoft kinect and mm-hmm. it was very unrealistic like you know i i was actually exploring uh, making a simulation for uh, tt training at that time and we had uh, some senior uh, official of the tt federation who was also a player before mm-hmm. so then he said you know why don't you just try this and then uh, he wasn't able to play well and mm-hmm. a very average player like me could play better than him so it that that gaming was not very realistic there but in okay. this uh, oculus quest version of uh, tt i felt uh, i was making the same mistakes in the virtual world as i do normally in a real world mm-hmm. so I like that also very well. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but you have twice 
spoken or given a demonstration of skillvery to pm modi and pm modi also tried on the headset with the skillvery uh, visual demonstration right yeah so if you recall what was his correct words after he tried that and what was the feeling like for you to be able to demonstrate it to him so the recent experience this was in uh, september 2019 there is more interesting because it was an in person we were officially given 25 seconds each um okay. so 25 seconds i have no idea what uh, i could do i tried doing whatever i could in 20 seconds and i asked him aap try karenge kya the prime minister said yeah why not but i'm not sure if these pe- people around me will say i'm late for the next meeting or not um so i i just offered him the uh, headset and he he was keen yeah. to try it on then the we- meeting went on for 3 4 minutes uh yeah <laughs> so then he tried and then took out the headset and asked me ab naukri pakki kya and that was <laughs> so what's one of the biggest problems uh, you faced being an entrepreneur in the vr ecosystem right now in india you know you're being taken too casually uh, these are all games abhi hame serious baatein karni hai like that that attitude many times would come in I mean, I'm, I'm talking about the challenges specific to somebody in the VR space. Hmm. There are a lot of other challenges in general being an entrepreneur, but yeah. specific to VR yeah. space, it is this, you know, being being taken for something very casual, whereas uh, hmm. what you are doing is much more serious. Right, right. Exactly. It has so many wide ramifications. You said not only cost, it's time-saving, which is amazing, and... there's so many things to that i hope people soon start realizing this thing i faced this problem a lot i, I as i told you my story i had the same thing mm. <laughs> for a good four months mm. then i got to switch it over okay wait let me study more on it <laughs> yeah if there's some advice you would like to give to a student listening or a young professional listening uh, to get into virtual reality maybe you have some sort of a book suggestion or maybe a course that some can do to maybe get started in the field yeah i think courses there are enough pointers out there uh, i would okay. try and say one thing like you know the biggest reason for vr to not take off the right way is uh, because a lot of promises have been made which could not be kept till now so right. instead of uh, offering it as a one stop solution for everything in the world if uh, as a vr professional you are very careful about where all you would recommend vr and where all you would recommend you know why don't you do a video instead of a immersive vr so look at where all will vr as a tool be more impactful and bring out those solutions than do vr for everything there will be things that vr is very good at there will be things that vr is not suitable for so if, right. if that focus is kept i think uh people will soon start feeling the impact and then the overall attitude towards vr itself would change probably a moonshot question that i have so mm-hmm. do you ever see a time when a spray painted graffiti in vr or a hand painted painting in vr gets sold in a similar manner to how it's done in the real world right now for that amount of money or something like that I I think I think it is very much possible you know this is something um in in that very small portion of the book that you mentioned about how 
uh, gamers were able to sell their online assets hmm. in the real world for real money this it is very much possible with something like facebook owning uh this space in a big way right. plus through facebook owning a bit of reliance which is also getting into ar vr sector i think um it all depends on when does the means to access this become more common like you know if you had an ott streaming facility 10 years back it would have failed <laughs> but now with all the data plans it is the right time like otherwise mm. amazon prime and there are at least 5 6 different streaming players with a good sizable market right so that way today smartphones have become quite popular so same way can headsets become more popular then so, then maybe you know um, even vr movies might become more popular than the regular right movie so is that then there's a landscape or a tectonical shift we, uh, waiting to happen in terms of 5g is that something you believe in i, I think 4g itself is sufficient you know many many times i have not really understood why the focus is on something that is already good enough uh, in india do all the 4g networks operated the promise speeds and all the 3g networks operated the promise speeds mm. no is the answer mm. but i do remember in 2010 mm. uh, i had a 2g connection only and then it was fast enough for the software and the content that was available at that point of time Hmm. the gap is slowly increasing between what is needed and what is available and also the same with you know like uh, the headsets also hardware also sometimes goes after some pointless things i think uh, so for example if i take uh, the refresh rates 72 hertz is actually good enough 90 is very good Right. there are headsets trying to do 120 and more which you may not be able to feel any difference at all so some of the headset upgrades that have come around i have not really understood why so much of effort is put into that like for example vive pro versus the older vive headset hmm. as an end consumer i don't really see much of a difference hmm. but if the front camera of the vive hmm. or the dual camera of the vive pro nobody has really used it well you see front cameras used much better in uh, rift s and uh, quest mm-hmm. but there is still no solution where you have uh, vr and ar simultaneously working on the same device right so something of that sort um with uh, you know it looks almost achievable today mm. so maybe in the next 2 years if that changes mm. i i think that could be one technological breakthrough it is not really a breakthrough technological milestone that will that will define a lot more things to come if someone wants to contact you what can be the best way possible uh, whatsapp or an email uh, to uh, sabari@skillvery.com right thank you so much sabri for uh, sparing some time and discussing so many good things with us same uh, thank you so much uh, prasleesh and Wishing you the best with the podcast. With that, we come to the end of the first episode of Pioneers. Tell us on how the episode was at Pioneers on Twitter, spelled as P-I-O-N-A-R-S. Links to the demonstrations we talked with Sabri about and other interesting things are given in the episode description. If you loved the episode, please do share it with others. 
who may be working in the immersive tech world or may want to learn more about the space. Till then, take care and we will meet you with another Pioneer next Wednesday.